Kevin, great to have you here, buddy. Um, so you're backing yourself, okay? You are taking control of your destiny. You've seen a problem. You want to change the world. And it's all about to happen and go live in September. Tell me what's going on. Yeah, so I'm backing myself up and uh, I'm trying to back up, you know, more entrepreneurs. So we're launching a venture capital platform. Wow, that's massive. I mean, we're going to come back to how crazy difficult that sounds a bit later. But for people who don't who don't know you, um, of the, the one people in the world who don't, but imagine we're on a first date and we've just met and then introduce yourself to me. Tell me what you, who you are, away from what you do. Yeah, so I'm obviously not perfect. Born in France, went to the US because I was bored. Uh, And then uh, then I came back to France a few months later, uh, started to learn English, basically. And then it was even... Oh, have you learned English? uh, Well, I have tried, actually, for many years. And then uh, so back to France, I was, uh, you know, sitting there looking at my friends. You know, nothing has happened to them you know, for many long time because actually they didn't, you know, travel much. So what I wanted to do is travel again. So I went to Australia, then uh, study economics in Australia uh, for six months and uh, had lots of fun. But then uh, obviously when my visa ended, I was uh, supposed to go back to France, right? So I was looking at the map and looking at what I wanted to do in my life. And then technically I was just pointing out London as a a good uh, location where it's completely, completely diversified, multicultural, yeah. uh, close to Paris to see the farm. And then obviously great aspiration for, you know, for building up a, a, an international career, basically. So went to UK in, uh, went to London in 2014 and then uh, launched a um, startup a, in hedge fund industry with uh, one of my lecturers back in the day. Uh, we failed miserably. We, we basically didn't know um, how to run a business. And then uh, what did you, why did you fail? we failed because we were running a, a media uh, business model, so a volume business model in a niche market. So we were trying to sell. But that's uh, not why you failed. Uh, I mean, that sounds. That's, I mean, that's, we failed because we didn't understand that we could not we could not merge niche market and traffic uh, on the we website. See. We yeah, failed yeah. because we didn't realize the importance of growing a massive audience in order to actually generate money from uh, website traffic. It sounds like you had a terrible lecturer. They should be the one teaching you this, right? <laughs> well, anyway, so, you know, long story short, I, um, I was building a network of hedge fund managers, of emerging hedge fund managers, and then uh, having lots of fun around, um, helping some entrepreneurs to get access to some of the VC uh, network I was building up. And then uh, uh, early 2014, I uh, bumped into a guy try, uh, called Warwick who gave me that opportunity to Run I know Warwick and, and Warwick and is cross. Man, he's a hero. He's yeah, a hero he is. Me, yeah. He is. So basically, he gave me the opportunity to come and prove myself at Microsoft, and then uh, basically we just restarted the whole program, built a um, a customer access program for for B two B businesses. Wait, wait, wait. So, so start a minute. So, talk me through that. That's really interesting. So you went to. So what was your your what did you, what were you doing at Microsoft? Because that's really interesting. Because to go from working in, cause you work in a startup community yep. at Microsoft to go from there yep. to launching a fund. Yep. That's quite a big leap. So what were you doing at Microsoft? So at Microsoft, I essentially at Microsoft Ventures, essentially I started by building um, the ecosystem. So I was really what much that mean, in, char- in, in charge of, um, uh, you know, the relationship with venture capital, um, with incubators, accelerators, um, angel syndicate. So basically connecting the dots and then giving some marketing workshops for some of the startups in the program. So that was really much what it is, nice. what it was back in the days. But then when I was sitting down to uh, Warwick back in the days, he was telling me, Kevin, your job can be that, but it can also 
will be that. And that's your choice to make it, to, to pick what you want to do here. And then uh, I just build the case and say, well, this guy is, is, is backing me up. He's really supporting me here in yeah. that journey. Um, why don't I just use... Um, use that um, opportunity in order to grow my network, my and sharpen my soul, sharpen my soul when yeah. it comes to building companies. So when so when you were that so when you were that point, so you're in a Microsoft. Are you? I mean, Microsoft's massive. Of course, there's it's a world of opportunity, but it's, it's hyper competitive. There's so many people there. Yeah. So you're there in the startup community, and I'm guessing like you're raising funds for what for startup vent for yeah, Microsoft help, ventures helping, or for yeah, not for helping those startups to get access to. Capital. So Microsoft brings in startups yeah. who they think are cool, and they're going to ultimately make them some money through their extending their custom base, I guess, or using it. their data. Yeah, and then using tools. their cloud. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fine. And then you're helping to raise money for them. And I actually. Pre- Prepare those companies to be investment ready. Fantastic. Okay, so that's a really serious amount of work. There. So you must have seen more startups than I mean, how many are we seeing a year? So yeah, about we were basically crunching about seven hundred companies um, per year, basically seven. What well, on the program? Yeah, seven hundred. We and we selected about forty companies per year uh, out of those seven hundred. Fuck, that's a lot, isn't it? Okay. Um, yeah, good fun. But of course, there's lots of copycat and there's lots of things that you can just flip through because you know it's not going to fly. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what you learn working with so many companies is that instantly you develop some sort of a of an instinct to actually tell you, well, this is worth spending my time mm. or this is not worth spending my time. Yeah. And you are, you can only do, learn this through, you know, doing it. You mm-hmm. can't just you can't just go to the business book uh, or the theory book. You can't learn this in throughout a book. You've got to do it. You've got to sit down with the entrepreneurs and you've got to work them. You know, you, you've got to work with them in order to understand their main challenges mm-hmm. as well. And once you understand their challenges, then you realize that actually there are patterns all of those startups have some patterns. Some CTO-led companies have most of the time technical problems. They have no technical problems, but they've got uh, a lack understanding of how marketing is important, how PR is important, how how management is important, because they believe, because usually CTOs are very methodic and they are very disciplined people because they've got to produce high-quality code in order to deliver high-quality software. So they are usually very methodic. Yeah. Now, the reality is that when you are building a startup, then there's so much things going on right now that you don't even know what's going on in the organization, even though you are five or seven, because there's lots of people doing lots of different things. Mm-hmm. So you, so basically, there's lots of things that you're seeing. That you're seeing a pattern with CTO-led companies. Now, people with a super business acumen, but very, very limited understanding about technology, they tend to believe that producing a software is going to cost 100K. Right, they only believe that building a SaaS is going to cost me at max 500k. Yeah. So there's a huge disconnect here because, in fact, effectively, building a software it's 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 very complex, right? It's extremely complex. Yes, it seems to be accessible because there's a lot of content online to learn how to build softwares. But in reality, building something that people love, it's where everybody is struggling, right? I Whether you are a CTO or a CEO, you are really much there to do only one thing. If you are running a business, you're only trying to understand, are people ready to pay for what I'm producing right now? And and that is product yeah. market fit, and that is extremely painful. If you don't have... Um, um, the ability to do some uh, some some testings before raising money and then before um, starting to yeah, first yeah, do yeah, your first yeah. hundred customers. You blow my mind a little bit. There was a lot of I mean, yeah, crazy stuff you said there, but really interesting, really insightful. One of the things you said there, first of all, and I just want to check that I'm not paraphrasing this 
incorrectly, <clears throat> you said that ultimately, like, you, there's no, you can't get a degree in this. You've got to go out and get your feet wet, right? You can't learn to swim by sitting on the shore, right? It's, it's, it's like boxing. I mean, you can look at all the theory and opening your, you know, your, your, your playbook and then, uh, you know, learn the, you know, all of the uh, tricks and then uh, that you can do when you're boxing. Or, but in reality, you've got to go in the ring and you've got to spend a lot of time and you've got to be hit. Yeah, well, you, ev everyone's, you, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. You've got, you've got, yeah. to, get, you got, you've got to get punched. And then that's certainly one of the things that uh, through consilience we're trying to um, um, uh, surface here is that there's lots of people talking about their success, but not a lot of people talking about their scars. So and in reality, if you really show your scars, you can talk about your success through your scars. That's fascinating. So you had, uh, so you, you're, you're at Microsoft, you are dealing with like 700 subs a year. And you're, you're, you're not dealing with them. You're reviewing seven. You're reviewing seven hundred. You pick fourteen, but then you pick, and then you, and then you put three. So you're, and then you spend you spend about you sp you spend about a day a week with twenty company. You know, with each of those companies, yeah. right? You're spending lots of time with those companies so that you understand exactly where you know the pain points are. And so, but okay, so you're doing that, and Microsoft look an amazing business. I myself am a graduate of their startup program, and I learn a lot there, but. You know, you, you obviously, you were sat there in that office and at some point you've said to yourself, do you know what? I can do this better. What's happening here with this ecosystem? I, this is good and I'm doing a good job, but something's stopping me from making this real. I back myself now to go and do a better job from this. So what was that? Was there a particular moment that said to you, I've got to change this? Yeah, so I guess um, to give some background, um, I started my career as a firefighter, right? And then, uh, and then the reason why Sexy. I'm bringing that the French, reason French, a French firefighter the, who also runs his own fund, you're a pretty eligible guy. So, 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 so the, the reason why I'm bringing this here is because I've always been on the on the camp of the doers for the others, right? It really trying to help. You know, people generally, you know, because when you when you're a firefighter in France, you don't do this for money, right? You're risking your life. You are working, you know, around the clock, and then uh, you've got to learn a lot. So even when you are not in intervention, you've got to read all of the books and so on and so forth. So you really have to devote it, and you've got to you've got to brief it. You've got to actually carry this. It has to be in your DNA. You've got to incorporate the firefighter. It can't be fake. Anyway, so 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 basically giving and trying to learn about the problems is has been really, you know, taught to me at a very young age. When I was at Microsoft, I was working with some companies that were struggling to raise money, struggling to present their business to corporate, and they were struggling to get access to talent. And then those were the kind of core patterns I would see across all of the companies I was working with. Um, and then- um, So and what were those two, sorry? So they- So market they access. Couldn't get access, market access, yeah. that means access to- To the actual customers. Ah, so they couldn't get access to customers. How do you get access to customers? They couldn't get access to money, and they, they couldn't get access to expertise. Yeah, and because there is a lot of blur. There's there's a lot of blur. This is there's a lot of opacity, yeah. right? Um, and then that is a problem that every single entrepreneurs are facing. And the massive problem that the problem that entrepreneurs are facing, you know, to conclude is that ecosystem. It's really really hard to crack. You've got to have a super network of investors. You've got to have a super network of high net worth individuals. You've got to have a super network of CIOs, of, CIO, of CSOs. You've got to know if you are in B2B, I'm only talking about B2B because that's the only thing I've been working on and I'm not a specialist in B2C. Mm -hmm. so, 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 so the reality here is that 
startups not only have to be the best at understanding the product that they are building, they don't have they 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 ha, they not only have to be the best at hiring when they find those talents. Um, and in pricing and in marketing and brand positioning, they, they've got to run their own business, right? But in addition to this, the early stage market is so opaque that they now have to learn how to actually break through the startup ecosystem. How do I find the right investors? How do I find the, the early customers? How do I validate my product market fit? How do, so there's lots of things. Um, how do I find universities which could supply me talents? Because there are low, huge, huge, huge companies, you know, um, the Facebooks and Googles and, 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 and Amazons. And these guys, they're working with universities and they are hoovering every single students, right? Yeah. And they pay them a massive check. So when you're a startup, how do you, how do you, how do you survive? Because mm. talent is everything. Money, it's, it's just, a, it's, it's just um, a diversion. It's a distraction. You're raising money. In reality, you're not raising money. In, re in reality, you're trying to, to get something that you can offer to the people that can work with you and build that journey. I love that. So yeah, talent is everything. I, I mean, I absolutely believe that. Ta talent is everything and this thing you talk about. So getting access to these people and trying to compete with those huge businesses, it's hugely difficult. And so you were a Microsoft, I guess, or not necessarily Microsoft, I don't want to rag on them, but you're in that capacity that you're working at. It wasn't working. That current setup of how you're operating, it wasn't working. And you're like, look, I'm a, I'm a firefighter. I want to help people. And you're like, you're going to set up. But let's not, look, I I know nothing about this really. Um, and um, I've been quite close to you as you've gone through it. But what's really interesting is if someone said to me, I'm going to go and start a fund, all I'm thinking is you've got to have a fuck ton of money because like everyone who's coming to you, they're not saying I need 10 grand. They're saying I need a minimum of like what? 200, half a million, a million. Kevin, we're good friends. You don't have that money in your pocket. Yeah. So anyone says to you, I'm going to go and raise money. That's, that's, that's what my wife always says. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, so you're in this situation where you're a bit like, you, you, you don't have any money. You don't, you don't have any money. You've got no business starting a fund because you're not running a fund before. And you're like, but you know what? I reckon I can make this happen. Yep. So what, what's the first thing you did? Yeah. So how did you go from that? I'm, uh, I don't have any money. Everyone knows you have to be rich. And, and also there is a, uh, tell me if I'm wrong here, but there is certainly an element of um, former rich boy who starts a fund. It's like, I got some money from X, I'm just going to go start a fund. And so for someone who understands the pain of what it's like to not be in that position, the frustration and the challenges, that makes you quite unique. But what's the first thing you did? Because it's a huge hurdle to get over. Well, the first thing we did is that we were trying to apply technology before before money. Well, that's not the first thing you did. That was the that was that was the first solution provided. What's the first thing you did? Oh, so the first thing I was doing it was it was uh, technically doing lots of market research and understand the pains uh, that the VCs have, the, the the pains that incubators and accelerators had. You know, you know. I was literally trying to study the market and become a, a, an ecosystem expert, yeah. if you like. Um, that was the very, very first so, thing so, I was So did doing. the idea come first or did the reason, because what's interesting is no, a lot of- No, 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 it was more, I knew I, it was in, I knew I had some sort of an inspiration of doing something in that space. So you had an idea of what you thought the solution could be already. Um, and then you validated was, through research. It was, um, so, so it was on the other way around. I was okay. first looking at all of the pain points. 
Okay, you, so I was looking at all of the pain points. I was with my microscope. I was working with LSE back in the days, looking at how uh, uh, Microsoft were impacting the early stage companies. So I had a microscope on every single dot I could I could see in the in the venture space. That's okay. really what I was doing. Okay. I was simply learning. I was not trying to be biased. And how long were you doing that for? Yeah, well, I was lucky because I was paid at Microsoft to do that. I was paid to actually connect the dots okay. and understand because this this knowledge was so much valuable for the startups that we at Microsoft were, were accelerating. So I was I was very much uh, spending two years. I spent at least two years studying the market and just looking at what's the market dynamic, where the deals are happening, why there are some trends in with regards to early stage versus late stage versus growth. I was trying to understand the whole dynamic, right? And then um, I knew somehow that there was something to do around um, certainly helping companies to get access to customers because Microsoft it was certainly the best school for me to learn about programmatic uh, program to help those startups to get access to customers on a on a on a weekly basis. Yeah. So um so so that's really what, what, what that was my um I guess um why I was lucky. I was fortunate because I could see, I could learn very quickly from the people who are doing it really well. Now, I didn't really know what was the product and what was the idea and what was the solution was like. I had an idea about a platform using, you know, some advanced technology, not to mention any, um, that would certainly help companies to um, better be prepared when it comes to be investment ready. Yeah. Better be prepared when it comes to building a sales pitch for certain type of customers. Better be prepared when it comes to build some, um, some sort of a nice story around the startup in order to have some appeal in the market to the eyes of the next generation of workers. Yeah. So all of that is really, really, so I was trying to build something around this, but I was definitely, I'm not a coder myself. So I was simply kind of mapping the, mapping the idea and, and literally tick the boxes saying, if I do that, then I solve this problem. If I do this, then I can solve this problem and so on and so on. That's a really great genesis. So it's like, you know, you spoke to all these people, you found out the problem and then you're like, right, okay, so if I do this, it solves that. And then you put it all together and you're like, this is we like, this is too big, I can't do that. Yeah. This is too small, it's not worth because my the time. Challenge, yeah. the, the challenge is that sometimes sometimes when you are solving a problem, you're create you're creating a different one. And now now that's yeah. that's now now that's your job to look at the value that you're creating versus the pain that you are creating to some other yeah. part of the table, right? Yep. Yep. And then really measuring this is not an exercise, it's not an easy exercise. But it, technically I was trying to do this and then that's where I found uh, my co-founder Pierre, who is a um, CTO, um, who's been coding for the past 15, 16 years, uh, developing some very advanced um, AI and, and, and distributed technologies, that I really found that there was something there around the distribution of knowledge, the distribution of rewards, and the decentralization of capital. In the current climate, marketing is hard. But do you know what isn't hard? making sure you never miss an episode of your favourite podcast. So tap the follow button on your podcast and you'll never miss out on the latest episodes of Unicorny or Marketing Difference. You can even go back and listen to our back catalogue of amazing episodes. If you do that, please leave us a review. It would mean so much. It's really interesting. Wait, so so that was the point. That that's the That's the inflection point where the idea really started to settle, wasn't it? You were like... The, the biggest problem there was, and how did you describe it there? It was the... Yeah, the biggest problem... Um, distribution of knowledge. Yeah, the distribution of knowledge. How do you have knowledge access? 
right? I always say there's way too many mistakes to do them all throughout your entire life, life, right? So you've got to be able to learn what kind of mistakes you want to make, right? Okay. So you've got to be able to say, well, actually, all of those mistakes have been done. Why would I do it again? The reality is that there is no such library. There is, there is not a library for entrepreneurs where you can walk in and say, well, this is the, uh, this is the marketing section. What are all of the mistakes that are, have gone completely wrong yeah. with PR, with marketing, with SEO, or with white hat or black hat, um, you know, um, SEO and so on and so on. You, yeah. you don't have such library. And then you don't have that library for legal. You don't have that library for technology and AI. You don't have that, you don't have that, tech, you don't have that library for nothing, right? You've got none of that library. So knowledge access in reality, it's only on the heads of the experienced people. Right, but how do you actually manage with knowledge transfer? Right, how do you make sure that those people have? Well, an I mean, it's it's a tough one. So, like, yeah, I mean, it, in my own experience of starting companies, it's getting access to experts is actually really difficult because if you go to a service provider, the general rule is if I can afford them, they're probably not very good. Yeah, because the people who are really good are going for the bigger tickets somewhere else. Unless there are exceptions, there are yeah. people who you work with startups specifically because they see the journey over time yeah. investing in them. But generally speaking, it's quite hard. And also, the people who are really good at their jobs are doing it. Yeah. They're not just available to be like, oh, yeah, I'll come and be an advisor. Yeah. So it's like if you're a, yeah, like, I don't know, like we, we, we know some people who are experts in marketing, we know some people who are experts in legal. Like if someone's an expert in legal, they're a lawyer. <laughs> That's what they're doing. They're not just hanging around to become an advisor. Yeah. You know, so how do I, how do you solve that problem? Yeah, so we, we, you know, we talk about incentive system here, right? We're talking about how can I ensure that I've got access to the best people on the, on the shortest amount of time possible with the greatest level of incentive for that person to work with me. But then how's, how's the startup going to afford the incentive? So, um, the only way to do that in reality today, it's actually by transferring some of your shares to that person, to that individual on the vesting plan and say, well, you know, as a marketing or legal advisor, you're going to be taking half in cash and then the other half in equity. And then for the next three years, we're going to make this happen together. But the problem with this is that from a founder perspective, you can't have all of those experts sitting on your cap table that would not be manageable. And in, in reality, you don't want to have, you know, 20, 30 people on your cap table because then that becomes a nightmare, right? Yeah. To, yeah. To, to manage. So the only way to do this is really to actually convert that equity into a currency, which is what Consilience Ventures does. Wait, wait a second. Take a step back. So I just want to check up here to because this sounds absolutely amazing. So you're saying that startup, they get access to this amazing talent but they're not paying cash for it. They're not paying cash for they're it. Paying, they're paying equity for it. Yeah, so... Because, so, because if you've yeah. got a company that's valued like a... You know, you've got a startup, you're valued like a million bucks. So let's just let's just take, a, you know, a traditional startup journey as an yeah. example. You you go out, you, you've got a super idea, you validated that there's a market, you valid, you've, got, you've got a team that you can assemble, right? And then the first thing that people will do, mistakenly, rightly or wrongly, is that they will go and look for some money to develop the platform, right? So they go in and spend six months 
in average, um, to go and find some money, like 150K, like an EIS round, technically speaking. Um, then, then what happened is that this is lots of distraction, right? Because you spend you spend a lot of time, you know, um, not to say prostituting yourself, but you spend a lot of time telling everybody that you've got a super cool idea, but in reality, you've got nothing proven, right? Now, you, once you have that money in the bank, then what you're doing, you're now looking for the people to help you to make it happen because mm. you can't make it happen by yourself. So now what you, once you've got this money, this cash in your bank account, how do I make sure that every penny I spend, I spend it to, with, the right, with the right person, right? Because there's plenty of people interested in my money, but how many of those people are interested in my success? Well, it's a fair question. Right, yeah, exactly. So every found, so I was, I was literally working, uh, you know, with some entrepreneurs and asking, what, what do you guys think about the incentive that your service providers have with regards to your journey, to your own success, right? They've got no proof of that. Oh yes, they like us. If they deli- if they deliver quality, we are likely to come back. Mm. Yeah, but how do you compare that, right? There's lots of subjectivity. So we said, you know what? Let's let's forget about this traditional journey. What we're doing is saying, you are referred by our network. Somebody knows you, somebody vouched for you, somebody really is backing you up, right? And then if that, if the network then decides after the due diligence, if the network decides that you are a super good company that we would like to help, not only invest, right? We're not in the job of picking companies, we are in the job of making the winners, not picking the winners. So if we really kind of assemble a very good network of experienced people who only get paid with the shares of that mm-hmm. startup or the fund in, in, in reality, right? The entire, because the, the, the digital share is a fraction of the fund. It's not a fraction of one startup in sure, particular. Sure. Yeah. But, but now you can argue that, um, well, if this is a fund of, uh, if this is the share of the fund, then how do you guarantee that there is an incentive in that company in particular, right? Well, that company in particular is, is impacting the token value, the digital share value. So if everybody gives one more person that, that what they would normally give to others, well, we know that those companies are going to outperform because they will be surrounded by a network of 10, 15 people who are going to deliver one more person at best, at minimum, to those companies. Yeah. And then if we, if we just say, well, what is one person? Well, everybody knows the world's fastest runner, right? Everybody knows Usain Bolt. But nobody or very, very few people knows who is the second world fastest runner. Tyson right. Gay? Ray. Right. Mm, <laughs> anyway, so the, the point is that very, very few people know. Yeah. Um, and then what's the difference between the first and the second? Only one percent. So winner takes yeah. all on win winner takes all on one percent. So if our startups in the network get surrounded by a network of people that are giving them one more person than what they would normally give, mm. because there is an inflection point, because there is some sort of return on time invested here. If I spend one more hour with you, I'm more likely to actually derive, you know, a, derive a higher outcome than if I spend time somebody who can't pay me at my fair rate, who is going to give yeah. me paper in exchange of my time, which is sweat equity. Well, I can do nothing with, with sweat yeah, equity. Sure. I've got lots of friends mm. with plenty of sweat equities and a lot of friends with um, plenty of equities uh, that they've acquired throughout their investor life. Um, but in reality, they are paper rich, right? If they want to go in holiday and buy an island, they can't because they can't yeah. sell those papers. There is no secondary market. I, lo- I love what you're doing. And I app- philosophically, I'm completely aligned with you. Like if 
if you're going to put some time in and you and that company's going to win, you've got to win together. But if you're going to lose, you've got to lose together. And I absolutely buy into that. So ha- talk to me now about about you, about about Kevin Montserrat. Like, how does it feel leaving the security of something like Microsoft, earning pretty well, I expect, to going to being like, I'm starting something serious here that might not work out. How does that feel? Well, you know, um, coping with um, a level of uncertainty is not for everybody, that's for sure. Um, I've been living um, this way for very long time. I mean, I got fortunate to, to be hired by Microsoft. I was not looking to work for large companies. I got hunted. Okay. So I was not looking for big logos on my CV. The okay. reality is that I was not really looking for that level of certainty. I'm much, I'm much more excited by the journey, you know, than yeah. actually the actual object, the, the actual end goal, right? So um, that level of uncertainty for me, it's something that, of course, you sometimes you've got you've got some um, sleepless nights. Yeah, you know, of course, you've got this, right? Um, like every entrepreneur, and I and I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing because it really keeps you focused, right? It really keeps you focused and then it really forces you to think really hard about what you were building because what's valuable, it's not easy to get. What's cheap, it's it's obviously easy, right? Mm-hmm. So there's that, disc- there's that kind of um, uh, lifestyle that you've got to vouch for. You've got to say, well, actually, I don't know if this is going to work. I um, I believe that we're building something which is now validated by most people we speak to, most most large large investors and family offices and so on and so on. But the reality is that we would not be talking about innovation if there was no risk associated to it. So there is a risk that comes with it. And, and um, yeah, so I guess I'm... I'm I'm very lucky to be supported by my by my wife for sure. Yeah. I'm and then um, that is the greatest things I could have. And then actually, I was reading an article about this the other day that actually seventy five percent of an entrepreneur's success is uh, down to the support of his surround of, of his environment, including your wife, your kids, yeah, your yeah. family. Yeah, I believe that. So I'm um, I'm a I'm a foreigner. I'm a French in London without my family. So the only thing I have is couple of friends and my wife yeah and then I, I heavily rely on this and then that is very very you know um, important for me to make sure that I maintain my balance and I keep focused yeah. and then I don't get distracted with other things because that would be easy to go and work for another company and say well you know I've got this experience I've got this network guys I can be on six figures and I'm going to take some shares and yeah certainly I could do that um, and then uh, that would certainly be as fun as what I'm doing uh, but but I guess the uh, level of emotion, of emotion that that comes the reward would right? be there for you, right? Yeah, exactly. It's more than it's more than just about the money. It's much more than this. Exactly. And so, I think the yeah. team that we've assembled is really really making me believe that this is this is actually if if this can happen, we've got the team to make it happen. I believe that. So look, we've come to the part of the show now where we for our listeners we have to keep we'd like to give them some advice. Okay, yeah. so two things. So one, I mean. <clears throat> For anyone who's sat there right now listening to this thinking, do you know what? I can do a better job than, than someone else. What is your one piece of advice for them personally? I think you've probably already said it. It's like surround yourself with people who can support you, right? Is that right? So we'll, we'll leave that on there. But now you've seen so many startups. You vet startups now, okay? 
what is the, if you were to see anyone who said, right now, I'm starting a new business right away. I don't want to, what are the three things that you would say to them straight away? Focus on X, Y, Z. What would those three things be? Because it's so easy to get distracted. So many people spend their time making logos and, you know, worrying about raising and things like that. Like, but what are the three things that you think that everyone should be focusing on right at that very beginning? Ask yourself how hard what you are going to do is. Because nice. if, if it's, not, it's not really hard, it's certainly pointless to make. It's certainly pointless to, you know, it's, it's perhaps pointless to think about. So really ask yourself how hard Right, because if 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 the answer is well, it's okay. I can make a, a slight improvement. Then I can tell you, just don't do it. So validate this. Then the second point, the second advice is, measure what kind of risk you are ready to take, and then make sure that you've got you are prepared for the worst. So that yeah. is the same. The point two is really prepare prepare for the worst. Um, if you like fancy cars and nice houses, and then you've got, um, and then uh, you've got a mortgage, and um, and then you are, you know, in your twenties or early thirties, and you're trying to, um, and you really like cars, and then you're not ready to not take the tube anymore. Well, unless you are, you have a wealthy family, I would tell you that you're not making the right decision here. Good, I like that. I like that. And then the third point is um, make sure that you fucking enjoy your job and <laughs> the people you are working and doing it with. amen because there is nothing because you are going through storms you are going through storms and if you are not surrounded by people that you would like to go through storms with and there is no point of building that company it, it, no matter how hard the business is no how no matter how lucrative the business can be right if you are not enjoying it Every, every single every single second of it then you are not going to succeed because it's very very difficult for most of us what are one of the key pitfalls that you see from startups all the time yeah okay so the very first uh, pitfall I, I see most common uh, at early stage yeah. right ideation stage is that people jump, jump way too much on the solution without figuring out all of the facets of the problem they okay. are trying to solve. So, 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 so they, are, they always believe that they've got the solution and they got biased and they don't question themselves enough about the value of the solution they are building, right? And therefore, they are not focusing enough on the minimum viable value that, there is, that is necessary in order to actually drive people to buy. Right? I are love you, that. I are, love that. Are you are you building a nice to have or are you building a must have? Right, because th that's very small difference is going to drive your business growth. Right, so if you're not spending well enough time to really, really try to demystify the problem and then look at the problem from different angles, and then you're certainly missing some really, really interesting um, and important. Um, aspect of the problem and therefore you may not solve it entirely if you are only focusing on um, you know um, you know look at Amazon for example Amazon is not only you know a place where 
you can you know shop and then you know and and vendors can through their stuff you know through their stuff on on Amazon right the value is the time for to delivery it's not the actual it's yeah, not the actual yeah, product yeah. right so Amazon figured out that if in three clicks you would actually if in three clicks clicks you would be able to buy and purchase anything then you would be much more likely than if you were than if you were having access to the item in five or six clicks magic right so how can we and and then and then if you look at this it's the value proposition is to make you buy in three clicks right the value proposition is not about to give you the best camera it's not about to give you the best book it's not about this the the, the value proposition is can you purchase this in click in three clicks yeah. and then can you get you into your mailbox tomorrow that's I, I love that that's perfect thank you yeah so you're saying don't focus on the mvp until you figured out the mvv the minimum viable value and I love spend that. lots of time talking to lots of people, do not underestimate the value of market research. Do not underestimate of doing the market research yourself. Do not, because that is time, which sound a bit boring in a way, because it sounds research, and unless you are a PhD researching, it's not, it, it's, it's, it's cumbersome. But the more time you spend talking to your prospects, the better you understand, the better you are empathic, and the more you're empathic, and then, and then the more chance you've got to give them something they will like and they will vouch for it. Yeah, I love that. Backing yourself is really scary. The amount of courage it takes is unbelievable. So how do people know when they're ready to back themselves? And how did you know when you were ready? So I never knew if I was ready. All I knew is I could spend lots of time to prepare myself and then keep on preparing myself until the time where I believe I'm ready. In reality, you are never ready. You just keep on working hard. A lot of people fail at raising capital. That's the truth. Is there something that you see time and time again which is stopping people from raising money? And if so, is there something that people can do to fix that? I guess this qu this question is really, um, uh, it's not an easy one in the sense that there's a lot of macroeconomic uh, uh, con context here, right? Yeah, of course. If you look at um, how um, early stage companies are raising money in the UK, it's different from you know how they are doing it in France, in Italy, in Spain, and so on and so on. And is this a good place to raise money and, in London? Um, I think, I think there's SCIS and EIS, which is helping a lot of um, entrepreneurs. That's a tax benefit, so a relief. But but that's a, that's a massive leverage for entrepreneurs because they can okay. raise money on the back that those investors are de-risking their investment. Okay, so that's really good. And that's the reason why it's easy to raise money. Now, the problem with this is that so long as you don't qualify in the SCIS and EIS, you sound much less interesting for investors than right. what you are in reality, because most entrepreneurs um, who are doing something really innovative um, are certainly not getting, I will, I will, um, I will I'll have to, sc to scratch this, I was gonna say something which is wrong in fact. A lot of companies fail to get funded, okay? And it seems to me that there seems to be a decrease in the amount of companies that are getting funded in London specifically. Do you have any advice for any of those businesses? Yeah, try not to raise money. <laughs> well, fair enough. So that's yeah. certainly my that my 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 best um, advice is that don't try to get um, fooled by 
access to capital, just try to build as lean as you can. If you are, if you are, if you are working, if you if you've got a full time job and then you are entitled to actually work on the weekend, it's much better to do that during the weekend. And what you do is, as soon as you've got something which is somehow close to a product, um, then make your clients pay for it, because there is no greater valuation validation than a a proper client paying for your custom for for your solution. Just think, just one thing which is important here to note: raising money is never a business model validation. Never is, right? It is just saying that some people have somehow some faith in you and what you are building, but it never validates your business model. The only thing that really validates your business model it's your your ability to to generate profit. I love that. That's really interesting. Thank cool. you very much, Kevin. It's been really good. I wish you all the best with the launch in September. I think we'll be hearing about you a lot. Uh, what's the name of the fund? Consilience Ventures. And if you're a startup, drop your note and um, hopefully things can work out, right? And if you're an investor, also drop your note. And if you're an expert, also drop your note. <laughs> things are about to get real. I appreciate it. Cheers. You've shown a lot of courage in backing yourself and I wish you the best of luck. Thanks, Dubs.